I want to introduce a, a new series that we're jumping into this morning that we'll be covering over uh, the next number of weeks. Uh, it's a series I've entitled Power Filled, Power, Feel, Power Filled, and it's a series on the person of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and I was very intentional in picking that, that, that statement, a study on the person of the Holy Spirit, because this morning I actually want to talk about some misconceptions and ideas we have about who the Holy Spirit is that I think get us off track in our walk with the Lord. You know, after Jesus rose from the dead and he appeared to his disciples, his instructions to them were to wait to wait for the promise of the Father, to wait uh, for the one that he would send, the Holy Spirit, who would empower them and teach them and guide them and direct them. And I haven't had a chance to fix my mic yet, so pardon me. It's pinching my ear. Okay, here we go. To wait for the Holy Spirit, which they did. So the timeline worked out this way. Jesus rose from from the dead. Forty days later... He ascended back to heaven. And then 10 days after his ascension is when we have the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell in the upper room and that the, the, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. The significance of this time, by the way, that 50 days is, is that Pentecost fell on. It, it, was a, it was a feast that the Jews celebrated. It was the Feast of Weeks. The Feast of Weeks. And it was seven weeks from the Passover, which we remember took place right before Jesus was, uh, was crucified. In fact, right, right the, it is the day before, rather, that he was crucified. The next day was the Passover. Fifty days or seven weeks from that day was the Feast of Weeks. And it was where people would bring their first fruit offering. We talk about the tithe, and Jacques was just talking about tithes and how we're a tithing church. What part of that comes from this Feast of Weeks, where it was this season in which the, the, the fields were ripening and, the, and the, the harvest was coming in. And so Jerusalem was just packed with people that were coming from all over for this feast, for this festival to bring their offering to the Lord. And the city was just jam-packed with people. And so uh, it's appropriate for us to have a conversation about the Holy Spirit because that that was exactly what was happening uh 2000 years ago. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, promised the Holy Spirit, and then the disciples and ultimately the apostles waited on the Holy Spirit and then they received the promise. They received the promise in the form of the person of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, and it's Jesus speaking to the disciples, but you will receive power. Everyone say power. power. All right, now we're going to say it like we mean it. On the count of three, let's say a powerful power, okay? One, two, three. Power. There we go. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I'm thankful for the ends of the earth part of that, because that's why we're here. Because, because of their witness to the ends of the earth, we get to gather this morning. In 2006, uh, talk show host Stephen Colbert uh, coined a new phrase, a new term, is the term wikiality. Wikiality. Wikiality is this. He said that wikiality 
is together we can create a reality we all agree on. Another way of saying it is it is truth as determined by the masses. And he actually gave uh, uh, instructions to his viewing audience. He said, would you go on Wikipedia and would you edit the entry about elephants? And would you just put in preposterous information about elephants? Well, they, people did to the point that Wikipedia actually had to block that, uh, that particular article and it's not open to, ed- to being edited to this day. You still can't go in And the idea behind Wikipedia, if you're not familiar, is it's an online uh, resource, but it's edited by people. You can log in and you can edit the information and it's, you know, there's some review that happens, but by, for the most part, it's just people's ideas out on the internet. And of course, if you read it on the internet, it must be true, (laughs) right? If I read it on the internet, so it must be true. Well, before wikiality and the internet was a reality, um, we, we took things at face value, maybe because my mom told me or my dad told me. I heard it in class. My teacher said, my professor said, or I read it in the newspaper or in a magazine. And because I read it somewhere, someone smarter than I, someone with more influence or more position than I said it, it must be true. <laughs> And our minds and our perception are shaped by those things that we read, that we take in. How about this one? I heard it in church. I heard it in church. Therefore, it must be true. I'll go out on a limb here and say not everything you hear in church is true. Which is why it is essential for you to know the word of God. The Bible says you need to be able to test and approve, not me for you, but you for yourself. See, and this is the problem. This way of thinking has found its way into Christian thinking. I don't have to think. Someone else will do it for me. And tell me what to believe. Tell me what to think. Tell me what to do. When we were pastoring up in Alaska, we had a lady who, who came to our church and um, her, past, her, her late husband was in ministry. They had pastored multiple churches throughout their lives. She knew the Lord, loved Jesus. And her first question to me was, Pastor, just tell me what I'm supposed to do. And I was like, oh, it's not my job. That's not my job. That is the role of the Holy Spirit. That's where you need to have a conversation with God and he will tell you what to do. Now, once you figure that out, I will encourage you. But sometimes we're just waiting for someone to tell us what to do, what to think, where to go, how to believe. And that's a problem. See, the problem is so often we hear something and the very first thing we hear sticks. Have you experienced this? You heard something, and then someone tries to convince you that what you heard is wrong, and even though they might be right, because it was the first thing you heard, you have a hard time changing your perspective. Is it just me? Anyone else? All right. I think it's kind of pervasive in our culture, especially as we have such a media-driven culture more and more. That the, the, the rate of, of information being passed along is, is unlike it's ever been before. 
And so if we don't have a filter and we're not receiving things clearly and correctly, it can really influence the way we think. You might be wondering, well, what does that have to do with the Holy Spirit? I'll tell you. Because this is exactly what happens in regard to the Holy Spirit. See, we've probably all heard or experienced or seen something about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Trinity, or however you've heard him described. And at some point, your perspective, your outlook was swayed and influenced. And maybe what you have is a pretty accurate picture. My goal here is not to to accuse or say you've all got it wrong, because then I would have it wrong. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what I do want to encourage us to do is take a fresh look at the Holy Spirit. You might be looking at that slide. If we're going to get that, the main slide back up, Sam, that'd be great. A series on the person of the Holy Spirit, and you understand we've got like the, the fire because it looks like the fire that came down. You might go a powerful. No, and you might be thinking, oh, I know, I know about the Holy Spirit. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. You might have heard it wrong. And maybe you've adopted some views. And so here's, again, not to disparage, but my encouragement would be this. Open your heart afresh to the person of the Holy Spirit. And would you wait on him as Jesus instructed his disciples, wait, don't rush into this. Don't try and do this in your own strength. Wait for the promise of the Father. And when you've received the promise, you will know it. Because he will do amazing things in your life. Let me ask you a question. A what if question. You love what if? What if? What if you were able to read the Bible, especially the New Testament, without ever having read it before? Or if you were able to come to Scripture and read it, setting aside every preconceived idea and every teaching and every thought and every book and every preacher and every podcast and everything you've ever heard before, every class in Bible college, and if that's, if that's what, what you experienced, set it all aside and simply come to the Word of God and read it for what it is. What if you could do that? Here's what I would guarantee and I can guarantee it because it's hard to actually accomplish this, but I would guarantee this. I would guarantee this in my own life. I would come away and you would come away recognizing the central and essential role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. You can't not. You can't read the New Testament and go, oh, the Holy Spirit is a secondary character, a secondary entity right? The Holy Spirit is just a nice idea. There's no way it is impossible because the Holy Spirit is central and key to everything that happens in in the New Testament, including the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What if you could read the Bible that way with that perspective? I know this, you and I would both expect a great deal from the Holy Spirit. We would come away expecting a lot. If I were to put this book in your hands, let's say you lived in a, in a tribe in a remote place, 
somewhere in the world and you'd never heard the gospel and you had not been polluted with all of our technology and information and you lived a simple life and you read the Bible for the very first time, you would come away going, I need to know this Holy Spirit because he's awesome. And I want more of what he has to offer me. See, but the problem is we go to church, we live in a comfortable culture, in a comfortable society, and, and that doesn't mean we don't have hardship, but, but church, we live in America. We're comfortable. One of the names for the Holy Spirit, and we'll cover this, is he's the comforter. Francis Chan says this, if you were meant to be comfortable, you wouldn't need a comforter. But our comfort can lull us into a sense of, I need him when I need him, and otherwise I'm good. What if? See, we don't expect much from the Holy Spirit. We don't expect him to act daily in every situation. We adopt a posture that says, God, I got this. And maybe when things go south and go sideways, I'll call out on Jesus and maybe Holy Spirit will factor in there somewhere. We don't expect much. We don't expect him to act. We don't believe we need the Holy Spirit. And nothing could be further from the truth. Let me show you what I mean. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says this, Now the Lord is this spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom the Lord is the spirit remember that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity and the Trinity is one Father Son and Holy Spirit is the name that I used when I baptized these amazing children of God this morning he is one he is a great mystery we can't wrap our heads around the Trinity but he just is. See, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Do you believe that? Yes. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Let me ask you this. Is there freedom everywhere? No. no. But is the Spirit of the Lord everywhere? So the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, is the one who is omnipresent. He is everywhere, and he is omniscient. He knows everything. But if the Spirit of the Lord is omnipresent, he is everywhere, why isn't there freedom everywhere? That's exactly right. Because of us, it's not got to do with his person. It doesn't have to do with just simply his presence, because his presence is everywhere. What Paul is trying to convey here again to the Corinthian church, some correction in wrong thinking, is that the Spirit has to be given place in our lives to rule and reign. And when He rules and reigns in your life, there is freedom. And if He doesn't rule and reign, there's no freedom. And so it just begs the question to be asked, do you feel like you have freedom in your life? And if the answer is no, then the next question is, what is the Holy Spirit to you? And what are you expecting of him? 
See, the Holy Spirit is a divine person. It's crucial that we recognize and believe that the Holy Spirit is exactly that, a divine person. He's not a vapor or a mist. He's not the force moving in us and through us and everything binding it all. Right? And people believe that. Star Wars fans believe that. He's not the force. He is God. He is the third person of the Trinity. He is a divine person. Well, you say, well, he's a person like me? No. (laughs) Thank God, not like you or me. I mean that kindly, but truthfully. He is not like us. He is spirit. He is spirit. You're not spirit. You have a spirit, but you live in a body. The Holy Spirit is spirit. In fact, it's not that he is like us, but we are like him in part. See, because back in Genesis, God said, let us create man and let us make him in our image. And so the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit was a part of that. So we are like him. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so there is a part of who we are, our spirit man, that fellowships with the Holy Spirit. He's designed it that way. And it's that very fellowship, that very communion, that very thing that bears witness that we are in fact children of God. And that right there is awesome in and of itself. The Holy Spirit is a person. I have a whole bunch of points I'm going to run through in just a few minutes. Um, these points are not yet uploaded on the online, the, the bulletin, the digital bulletin. I'll get these up this afternoon with the references so that you can go back and check on them. But if you're a person, you have something called a personality. Am I right? Okay, most people have a personality. If you're a person, Megan and I were, were doing interviews for licensing candidates, Foursquare license, Credential Licensing Candidate, Life Pacific College this week, and, and one of the candidates that we interviewed, and she says, well, I'm a human. And I was like, well, that's good to know. Um, you're a human being. You're a person. You have a personality. And there are things that make up your personality. The Holy Spirit has those same things. So I'm, they're going to be on the screen. Um, and at the end, all of them will be listed. They won't have the, ref, the scripture references. But I want to read through these because I want to show you from scripture, not just my own idea, that what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit is accurate and true in regards to his personage. So first is this. The Holy Spirit has a mind. Romans chapter 8, verse 27. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit has a mind. He has a will. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. He makes decisions. He chooses where he's going to pour out his power and his gifting. He has emotions. 
specifically such as love and joy. Romans 15.30, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit. I looked down and lost my place. To strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Galatians 5.22.23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. The Holy Spirit comforts. Acts 9.31, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. In the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and that, as I mentioned, is one of his names. He is the comforter. He speaks. He speaks. Hebrews 3, 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. If you hear his voice, because he speaks. In fact, he speaks clearly. 1 Timothy 4, 1. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. He very clearly states that this will happen. It's going to take place. He teaches. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. And we impart this in word, not taught by human wisdom, but by the Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. We are spiritual. He is spirit. His spirit connects with our spirit. And there is a communion that takes place and a teaching that takes place designed to build up the children of God. He can be made made to feel sorrow. Ephesians 4.30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That he can feel sorrow and does feel sorrow over his children and over the world. It grieves the Holy Spirit by the way that people don't know Jesus. It grieves him as it should us. He can be insulted. He can be insulted. Hebrews 10, 29. How much, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? That he can be insulted, especially in, in situations and places where people would deny and diminish the work of Christ on the cross, his death and his resurrection, because that stands in the face of who he is and what he has accomplished. He can be resisted. Acts 7.51 You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. You resist the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've ever been in a place or in a relationship, in a 
in a friendship where someone is resisting you, standing against you, it's not a good or fun place to be. The Holy Spirit has good things for us, but we have it in our ability to resist Him, to take a stance that says, I'm good. I don't need what you have for me. And as good as it may seem, I'm, I've got this. So even in ignorance where we would take that stand, that it breaks his heart that we would resist him. And then finally, he can be lied to. He can be lied to. Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. As seen here, Ananias and Sapphira had come to the apostles and said, we're going to sell our land, we're going to bring the money and lay it at your feet, it's going to be used for the kingdom. They went and sold the land and then kept part of the money for themselves. And they bring part of the money to the apostles and Peter stands up and they discern by the Holy Spirit, you're not being truthful and it costs them dearly. He can be lied to. These are all traits, all of these things that I mentioned. We can throw those all up there, Sam, that'd be great. He has a mind, he has a will, he has emotions, he comforts, he speaks, he teaches, he can be made feel, to feel sorrow, insulted, resisted, and lied to. This isn't a force or a mist or as some Christians would say, oh, the Holy Spirit is my conscience. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, he is not. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. The Holy Spirit is God. That he has a personality and he feels deeply and strongly and consistently for you. And that his desire is to meet you, empower you, fill you, direct you, teach you, comfort you, and do all of these things every single day of your life. So what do we do in response? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to leave you with some action steps, some homework, if you will, this week. This week, would you take time to examine your own heart and mind in regards to the person of the Holy Spirit? No matter how long you've known the Lord, no matter how long you've walked with Jesus, no matter what you think you know about the Holy Spirit, would you take time this week to have an honest conversation with the Lord and with yourself and examine your own heart? Where do you land? Ask yourself this, where do you land? Where do I land in regards to the Holy Spirit? What do I think of him? Ask yourself this, what needs to change? What do I need to change in my posturing and my understanding of who the Holy Spirit is? And then ask yourself, what are my expectations? What am I expecting him to do? There are those who believe that the Spirit of God and the power of the Holy Spirit was evidenced in the season following Jesus' death and resurrection and his ascension, 
for a season simply for the establishing of the church and then at some point the Holy Spirit stopped functioning the way he did in the book of Acts. Can I just tell you, I don't see that anywhere in scripture. It's not backed up biblically. And quite honestly, why would you want to live that way? If God tells me I have power through the person of the Holy Spirit, give me some more. Give me some more. I want more of that power. The series is called Power Filled. Why? Because his desire is to fill you with the awesome power of who he is. And if we would engage with the person of the Holy Spirit, our lives would be radically changed. Radically changed. Let's stand together. It was at the Jordan River where John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Again, he was resistant. John's going, no, no, I know who you are. I know who you are, and you should be baptizing me. And Jesus essentially says, I will. Not the way you expect, but I will. And Jesus goes down in the water, and he comes up, and then the Spirit of God in the form of a dove descends on him, and it says in the Scriptures, it remained on him. And it was at this point in Jesus' life that he stepped out and he started his ministry. Here at New Community, our, our mission statement contains four words. Know, grow, serve, and go. That we would know God, that we would have a relationship with him, that we would commit our lives to him, that we would grow in our faith. And that involves becoming healthy. Healthy things grow, right? If you're a gardener, you know that. Where's David? You know that. Healthy, healthy things grow. But then we talk about serving, and we serve like Jesus. We serve like Jesus in that he was not just a servant. This isn't just about servant leadership. It is about spirit-empowered servanthood. That Jesus served because he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And my desire, and I believe God's heart for our church, that every man, woman, boy, and girl, no matter what role we're serving in, no matter whether it's here at church or out in our community or in our neighborhoods or in our homes, that we would serve like Jesus, men and women, boys and girls who are empowered by the person of the Holy Spirit to serve well. Lord Jesus, your word tells us that you are the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus, without your death, without your resurrection, and without your ascension, we would not be able to receive the gift that the Father had promised. So thank you, Lord, once again for your sacrifice. Lord, I'm reminded this morning that you said, unless I go, the Holy Spirit can't come. Because you needed to go and send and release the power of the Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we address you not as some mystical being this morning. We acknowledge your presence in this place, Holy Spirit. And we declare, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. 
You are welcome here to shape us, to teach us, to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. Would you reveal yourself to us? A fresh outpouring of who you are in our lives. We are ready and we are wanting more. I pray that you would meet each one of us this week as we examine our own hearts, as we press into scripture, as we go to life group and have a conversation, as we think about it driving on the way to work or driving on the way home, as we think about it lying in bed at night. Holy Spirit, make yourself real to us. And I pray that the lies and the misconceptions would be stripped away and that we would see you and receive you for who you are in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.